You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Kabbalah, for those of you that haven't quite caught up yet, is the ancient Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible, first orally transmitted and using esoteric methods. Uh, Kabbalah is an esoteric method, discipline, and school of thought that originates in Judaism. What is its connection to Judaism? Answer, it is not possible to discuss Kabbalah apart from a conversation on what is called Judaism or simply Jewish doctrine. For all of you that haven't figured this out yet and still think that Judaism is simply an, a study of the Old Testament, I'm sorry to say, you're wrong. It's not. Uh, Jewish doctrine regarding the Old Testament comes from two primary sources. The Babylonian Talmud, which is a commentary on the Mishnah, and Kabbalah. Now, the Mishnah is the first major written collection of the Jewish oral traditions, known as Oral Torah. Everything that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for, yeah, that. It's still part of Jewish doctrine today. And their commentary on what Jesus rebuked them for, that's where they get more of their doctrine than the Old Testament. And that's also what they refer to as Torah, because when Judaists talk about Torah, they are talking about the Talmud, the Old Testament, and they even lump Kabbalah into that. Now, Kabbalah in itself means to receive or what has been received. It's a collection of Jewish esoteric books and even the most conservative Jewish rabbis today consider and acknowledge uh, that credence is to be given to the Kabbalistic works. Their primary books include the Zohar, also known as the Book of Splendor, the Sefer Yetzirah, which is the Book of Formation, the Book of Mysteries, the Gate of Reincarnations, and Three Enoch. And we talked about and, and actually seen quotes from at least three of these books um, in this series. And they have other books as well that have been added over the centuries, like the Kol Hator, which is basically a commentary on Kabbalistic eschatology, which we've also looked at. Now, um, one may want to think that Kabbalah can be dismissed or separated from Judaism, but this notion is dismissed by their own admission. So just read their stuff, and you'll see, nope, it's just part of the system. Now, we are talking about it because Kabbalah is not of God. Kabbalah is not a journey into a more Hebrew mindset. Um, Kabbalah is not uh, healthy. <laughs> Kabbalah, unfortunately, however, is unknown to Christians. Like, like Christians know that there's something wrong with Jehovah's Witness, right? We know that the Watchtower is not preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Mormonism has been exposed, right? For many Christians, you're not going to sit there and go to a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and think, oh, maybe I'm being duped here, right? We're not in the Book of Mormon, like getting teachings out of that and saying, oh, you know, that sounds good, you know. But this is exactly what's happening with Kabbalah because no one's really like, you know, breaking it down and saying, this is what they say, this is what they teach, and this is where it grounds out. And so when it infects our doctrine, we just think, oh, that's just, that must be the right thing, right? Especially because the infection is so deep and so transcendent across different streams in Christianity. Streams that are unlikely bedfellows. <laughs> we, we just don't see it. So we are talking about it, right? Now, Kabbalah teaches an esoteric template for man and the creation known as the Kabbalah tree. It's a source of revelation for students of the deep occult. Understand, this is a fact. These students include Eliphas Levi, H.P. Blavatsky, A.E. Waite, Manley P. Hall, Albert Pike, McGregor Mathers, and a long list of other people that are really wicked to the core. And they're getting a lot of their revelation from Kabbalah. That's why we are learning that at its core, Kabbalah is a doctrine of demons and a revealing of the government of Lucifer. Now, I've been giving two scriptures uh, to justify this series uh, repeatedly. They are Titus 1 verses 10 through 14 and 2 Corinthians 11 verses 1 through 4. They say, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, lazy 
your evil beasts and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth, right? And we've been learning that Kabbalah is basically a series of Jewish fables. And, and, and so is the Talmud. Like they, they have this oral Torah, which God does not put a stamp of approval on. And then they're developing all of the system of teaching and, and revelation and exposition on, on this counterfeit text. And then they added that this esoteric discipline known as Kabbalah. And then they, you know, basically overlay the Old Testament with this counterfeit template and begin rewriting the meaning of the scripture. Uh, they literally write Jesus out of Genesis 1-1 by applying Kabbalah. We've, we've talked about some of these things. They re rewrite the revelation of the second Adam completely because that's very important for us as Christians to know that Jesus Christ is the second Adam who came to undo everything the first Adam did. The first Adam brought forth death, but the second Adam brought forth life. What does Kabbalah do? They invent the first Adam called Adam Cabin, who's a primordial man and their second Adam becomes our first Adam. And their second Adam unbalances the creation because sin and the garden, all that gets really messed up because somehow when you overlay the Kabbalah on the Old Testament, Satan becomes the victim. And we talked about all of this stuff. This, they're, they're, it's like Jewish fables, right? Their mouths must be stopped. Furthermore, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4 says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version of Christ, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceive Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you might put up with it. And I keep saying this. I'm like, someone comes to you and says, hey, let's, let's go inside Metatron's cube. You might say, okay, because some of you have. <laughs> and, and so I have to talk about it. What have we learned about Kabbalah? Oh, we've learned a lot. I, I mean, we've learned so much that all I can say is we have the whole series at the Bride Ministries website. Like you can go there and you can go back and you can buy them and, you know, include the links so you can watch the videos as well and get the audio and all of that. I really cannot sit here and give you a full review because we're talking about we are 10 weeks in. Last week, we talked about the two Leviathans and the Feast of Leviathan. Two serpents, two Leviathans, two Messiahs, Right this whole eschatology of Kabbalah. And we learned that Jesus Christ has already assumed the throne of David. We learned that the Jews await no other Messiah. <laughs> okay. There is no other Messiah for the Jews. And, and guess what? Jesus in his first coming is equally the Messiah of the Jews and the Gentiles. They don't get a get out of, you know, Jesus free ticket where it's like, oh no, we just get to, you know, enjoy him in his second coming. No, they needed to turn to him at his first coming and they still do, period. That's the end of the discussion. Now, this week we are going to learn about the four worlds of Kabbalah. This is something we have not, you know, broached yet. We haven't gone there yet. And we are going to be talking about ascensions. We're going to be talking about levels of soul consciousness, according to Kabbalah, and, and where this grounds out against the Bible's revelation of how we engage heaven, right? And, and this, is, this is why we need to talk about it. Everybody wants to engage heaven. People, people are like, wow, people are engaging heaven. I want to engage heaven. How do I do it? So we sign up for an ascension group. <laughs> All right, let me stop. I am going to break this down from the beginning. And we're going to walk through what Kabbalah teaches. Then we're going to walk through what the Bible says. Then we're going to go through some more of what Kabbalah teaches. And then we're going to make some conclusions. Okay. And then we're hopefully by that point all going to be on the same page. Now, in Kabbalah, there is a teaching of four worlds. They exist independently, but flow over into each other. The Kabbalistic tree of life exists in each of these four worlds. And it has four divisions structurally corresponding to these four worlds 
which is actually a misnomer because it's five worlds for those that look at Adam Cademan, which is the belief system, as the primordial man and the actual first world. Now, all of that is going to sound like a bunch of words. Like, what is? what do you mean? But I'm going to break it down. So take a look here. All right. So here we have the Kabbalah tree, right? And this is our graphic we had made to help with this study. Now, as you look at this, you will see the Ein, the Ein Sof, and the Ein Sof Ayer, which basically means the limitless life, limitless light from nothing. This is the unknowable God. And so what the unknowable God does is he decides at some point that he is going to create. So he opens up a void in himself, and then he shines his light into that void. And the first place that the light arrives is at Keter, which is the crown Sephiroth. This is also known as Adam Cademan or the primordial man. And from this point, the light descends through a series of filters and the Sephirots are known as filters where different aspects of God are revealed. Going from Keter to Chokma to Bina, down to Chesed, then across to Gavora, down to Tifret, and then Netzach and Had Yesed, and finally Malkut. As the light travels down, there are different triads that evolve. You know, there's the supernal triad, Keter, Chokma, and Bina. Then you have Givora, Chesed, and Tifret, because Da'at is a hidden Sephirot. Then you have Had, Netzach, and Yesed as a third triad. And then you have Malkut, which is this separate thing, which is the physical realm. Everything above Malkut becomes the spirit world. And so there is their creative template. Okay. Now, as we go through the Sephirots, each Sephirot has four worlds corresponding to it. And so in this picture, you will find on the right side a legend. And I'm going to make that a little bigger for you so you can all see it. Now in the legend, um, and that's going to help us to go through this table, we see the Absolute, Beria, Yetzera, and Asaya. These are the four worlds of Kabbalah. Adzalut, Beria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Oops. Now, um, as I said, there are actually five worlds because above Adzalut, you have Adam Cademan. But there's really nothing that they say about that except that it is Adam Cademan. So this conversation, when you read their text, really begins at Adzalut. And what do they mean when they say archetypal world or the names of God? Okay, Ancelot is what they consider the world of emanation, meaning that this world flows forth from the divine. They say that this is a pre-creation world. This world is one of primal concepts, emanations, and radiations. So Kabbalah teaches that Absolute is a world of archetype where it's not like anything is really brought into form, but it exists in its archetypal manifestation, pre-form, in other words. So they look at this absolute world as an eternal, unchanging world of pure consciousness and unity. They say this is where the will to create is born and where the seeds of creation exist. So they associate it with the element of fire because they say fire transforms everything into essence. And so they also call this the place where the two poles of consciousness, AA, as a name of God meaning I am, and Shekinah. The glory, the uh, that is a female that they talk about as an entity, the counterpart of Ein Sof unite, and in their system of understanding, Aye is up here as the I am, and Shekinah is down here, and they are separated because of the shattering of the vessels, which needs to be fixed through Tikkun Olam, the repair of the worlds. We've talked about these concepts, right? 
So a lot of what I'm going to tell you is going to sound like useless knowledge. It's like, well, who cares about any of this? What does this mean to me? But you're going to have to follow me as I give you their belief system so we can get there. Um, now, in the world of absolute, the Sephiroths find their correspondences with the different names of God as one works their way through the Kabbalistic tree of life. So if we look at Keter, we find that the Atzalut is the revelation of Aye, or I am. When we get to Chokma, it's Yah, the Lord. Bina, it's Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God. Um, as we get into Chesed, it's El, God, the Mighty One. Um, Givora, Elohim, Gabor. Typhret, Jehovah Aloe, Vadat, God made manifest in the sphere of the mind. Um, Netzach, uh, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Oops. Um, at, uh, Had, Elohim Sabaoth, the God of hosts. Yased, Shaddai, the Almighty God, Shaddai El Kai. Um, Malkut, Adoria, Im Amon, the Lord of the earth, and in Da'at, Jehovah Elohim. So you have the, these different names of God, and why? Because they're looking at this realm of the spirit world as, as a world, as a, as a place of emanation, okay? So then we move from the absolute to the Bria. Now, Bria is the creative world. This is the world of what they call the archangel. So in their, in their mythology, um, the concepts that arise in Azalut are clothed in substance. And so then they believe that in Azalut, the divine presents and acts, but in Bria, the divine works through archangels who take these archetypes from that world and condemns them for the creation work by lower order beings. So when you get down to Bria, what you see is that duality begins to manifest, like space-time, male and female, and so forth. So in, in Bria, or Bria, this is where the sense of being is established. So in all of this, what they say is, you know, Bria corresponds to the element of air because you have energy being condensed into air or, or, or form, substance in this realm. So this is where you see that the Kabbalists begin to engage with the archangels. And so... You know, in, if you're in the world of Beria, you will be engaging with Metatron. Um, in uh, Chokma, you, you will be engaging with Ratziel, or the Alphanim, the wheels. Uh, in, in Bina, you're engaging with Safkiel. Hesed, Zadkiel, Kazmalim. Kazmalim are the dominions. Um, they also would put shining ones in this place. In Gevora, you would have the seraphim, the fiery serpents, in Typhret, Raphael. So they have this angeology, cosmology, that in, in Kabbalah is actually much more developed than we have in the Christian Bible, right? Um, but they map it against this counterfeit template and what happens is people end up engaging with counterfeit manifestations because they are inside of the wrong tree it, it's very interesting nonetheless uh this is how they teach their belief system uh in in, in netzach you're going to run into beria or, or uh, uh haniel in had michael yesed gabriel Malkut, uh, Sandalphon, Ashim. Th th this is actually an interesting uh, angel. He only shows up in the Jewish literature. Uh, he's not in the Bible, uh, but he's 
you can do your own Google search on that guy. And then you have URL associating with dot, right? So then we see that, okay, they teach these archangels, take this, you know, creative whatever from absolute, and then they begin to give it this substance in Bria so that it can be uh, condensed for creation work by lower order demons or angels, <laughs> beings. In Yetzira, they consider this the world of form. So this is where development, movement, and procreation take place. They say that angels give form to the energies of Bria, right? So they're saying, look, these angelic orders are overseeing specific aspects of the creation work in accordance with their assignments. This world corresponds to the element of water because it is a further condensation of energy. So you could think about it, you know, everything they say starts with fire, then you come down a level and the archangels are taking this stuff. So now it's air. But just like you have clouds in the sky, that those clouds condense and it rains, you move to yet zero and it is water, right? And so here you find like um, the holy living creatures, the um, animus, the kia, the, they, they have all kinds of stuff. And, and, and this is really interesting. I do not recommend di deep diving into their stuff because this is, this is all like literally what you find in the new age, right? This, this is, I mean, literally new age land. Like it, it is Jewish mysticism, but this is the stuff that we look at and we're like, oh yeah, that's the occult. <laughs> anyway, um, as we move into Asia, this is the final world, and it is the world of action. It's where everything they say becomes, where things happen, uh, where there is phenomena and so forth. It becomes the crystallization of the physical world. And so they say, oh, you know, we've already got fire, air, water. So this would be the element of earth. And that's what we find in Asia is the material world, the sun, the ego energy, um, the elements, the lunar flame, the moon, on and on. And of course, this is all their belief system. Now, moving past this, we're going to look at another representation. So these are the four worlds that I've just described to you as overlapping trees. And what you see here is that absolute. This would be your crown, keter. Follow the arrow, this would be your Malkut. This is your Yesed and, you know, your other points of the tree. Now, interestingly enough, what they do when they overlap the trees to describe these overlapping worlds, they will take the Tifret of one world, that's point six right here, the center of Metatron's cube, and that Tifret will become the Keter or the crown of the next world. So now in the world of Beria, the Tifret becomes the crown and we work our way down the same tree and Malkut is down here. And so you basically have this idea that by ascending the tree, you can ascend to the different worlds and you can move up from the world of Asia or the physical world revelation into higher states of consciousness, expanded consciousness until you are conscious of the world of emanation. And then you move beyond that into the world of Adam Cademan, which is true unity or approaching unity and revelation of the unknowable light of Ein Sof. And it's all through ascension and expanded consciousness. Now, those are very important words, ascension and expanded consciousness. Now, uh, when we look at these, you can also represent the same idea on a single tree where they would say the Asiya is Malkut. And then there's this crossing over at Yesed and you enter Yetzira down here at this triad. And then there's a crossing over at Tifret where you then cross over into Bria, the world of the archangels. And then again, Da'at being the abyss, another point where you cross over into the world of absolute, which is the archetypal world of primal concepts and 
they associate all of this with guess what? The tetragrammaton. <laughs> Yod, hey, vave, hey. So now when you are looking at this uh, series of overlapping worlds, they're saying the absolute is the Yod, the Bria is the hey, the Yetzura is the Vav, and the Asiya is again the hey. Now, this is all very important because remember, in the occult mind, yod hey vav -Hey has so many other applications. And uh, I'll just show you this in case you forgot, when we were talking about some of the rituals that they do, you know, from the Key of Solomon, edited by McGregor Mathers. Like what they're doing is they're putting the Tetragrammaton on the north, the south, the east, and the west because they're looking to invoke magical properties from those Hebrew letters and their counterfeit deployment. And so they're drawing magic circles with these Kabbalist names of God, and they're putting the yod heh vav -Hey, and they're actually speaking it to the north, the south, the east, and the west. This is not a Christian practice. This is an occult practice based on Kabbalah, which is the government of Lucifer, right? And so now we go to a deeper level of revelation where it's like, wait, they're taking all of this, but in their deep understanding, this is being associated with their worlds. <laughs> so we're doing things to be able to ascend higher into the spirit so that we can engage with these different worlds through an expanded consciousness. All right. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And, and, and the truth is, the truth is, um, if this is the first time you are hearing the Bride Ministries Church. I, I, I really want to direct you to go to our website and, and get the backstory because, again, we're now in deep, deep waters. Okay, now, what's the relevance? Why are you saying all of this, Daniel? Who cares? Well, because everybody wants to experience heaven, okay? Everyone wants to encounter God the Father and the angels of his kingdom. Everybody wants to engage with the courts of heaven. We want to hang out in paradise. We want to commune with the cloud of witnesses and so forth. So the question becomes, how do we do it? Now, ascension is a term that's been getting very popular lately. I, I mean, I've used the term. I'm like, yeah, I ascend in Christ all the time, <laughs> you know, um, because earth is a lower dimension and, and the Bible has a whole lot to say. So, so, you know, when we go into the spirit world, however we're doing that, it is an ascent from our awareness of the physical realm. Therefore, there's been a movement towards people participating in different strategies to engage heaven. How do we do it? We know that the Bible is saying we can, so how do we get there? That's, you know, probably the right question to ask. And I don't blame anyone for asking that question because I'm asking the same questions. I'm like, yeah, I want to engage heaven. So, um, but here, here's the thing that I've noticed, right? Uh, there, there are a lot of Ascension groups now, um, many associated with Christian mystic movement that are using terms that sound like tetragrammaton to the four corners of the earth, engage with Metatron's cube, travel along pathways, go through the gates. Well, okay, that's fine if it's against a biblical template, but where is some of this language coming from what's the system behind the ascension protocol if it's climbing the kabbalah tree we have a problem so now before going any further with that i want to be very clear the bible is absolutely emphatically in favor of communicating to us that we have a citizenship in heaven a role in heaven, a place in heaven, not when we die, but right now and also after we die. So the Bible says in Philippians 3.20, just to ground this out, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not waiting for the return of Jesus from our pit in the earth. We, according to the finished work of Jesus Christ, have a citizenship in heaven. And it's in that realm that we are supposed to be in a expectation and a waiting posture of his 
return, right? It, it, it's completely different according to scripture than what a lot of Christians have, you know, unfortunately been taught. The Bible says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so we are seated in heavenly places right now. This isn't die and go to heaven. This is right now you are saved and this is the case. Um, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Every single one of these scriptures is a sermon all by itself. It's so deep. And I have a lot of, I mean, a lot of teaching on this stuff. You know, uh, God's kingdom is his government and it is his realm. The, 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 the kingdom of God is the realm in which God is king and the realm from which his authority flows. It is paradise. It is the third heaven. And so we are to seek that realm. And when we seek that realm and we engage with that realm and we open into trade and exchange with heaven, then all these things are added unto us here. A lot of believers live their whole life looking, okay, you know, where is my blessing? And we're all horizontal. And God's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's totally different. Seek my kingdom and righteousness. And then horizontally, everything is just going to fill out. So the Bible goes on. And, and, and Hebrews, my gosh, does Hebrews have a lot to say about this revelation, right? So Hebrews says, but you have come, not, not you will come. It says you have come. Have come is past tense to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all and the spirits of just men made perfect. Let me explain here. You are in an environment that is called the heavenly Jerusalem. You don't have to wait for Revelation 20 and 21 to get New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is right now. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. And then we have become the seed of Abraham in Christ, who was the seed of Abraham, who was a blessing to all nations. And then guess what? We have come to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem right now, who has, you know, 12 gates that, you know, and 12 foundations. And there are an innumerable company of angels right now, right? And we are in the general assembly of the church, the ecclesia. It's, it's a governing body in heaven right now. The governing body of the firstborn. And guess what? Everyone that's part of that is registered in heaven right now. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. There's your cloud of witnesses. Not when you die right now. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Oh, I never engage with Jesus because I haven't died yet. Feel bad for you because we engage with Jesus all the time. Like, you know, we're there where he is. That's why in John chapter 14, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. When did Jesus come again? When he died and resurrected, right? So for 2,000 years, we have been as the body of Christ where he is. And so the whole scripture lines up on this. No one's confused about what's happening. <laughs> Some of our denominations are, but God's not. So we go on, you know, in, in the book of Hebrews, it says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Just think about this. He's actually comparing people who heard God's voice physically on the earth. And he's saying, you're moving out of a higher posture because you are in heaven where you hear God's voice in the realm of his own kingdom. <laughs> he doesn't have to come down to earth physically and talk to you because he has brought you up to where he is. So you hear his voice on that level. Don't turn from that. 
whose voice then shook the earth. But now he's promised saying yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, it doesn't say we will receive. It says are receiving presently in active engagement fashion are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve god acceptably and with reverence and godly fear for our god is a consuming fire <laughs> like are there any questions you know then this whole passage this chapter hebrews 12 begins with this therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses it doesn't say we will be it says we are why because we are aligned we are citizens we are established in heaven in that world in that realm and so this is our promise in christ jesus so because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us that's really cool So the question becomes, how do I make that my reality, right? Because it's great when you preach it, but when we get off of this call, right? You're going to be back in your addiction. You're going to be back in your strife. Tomorrow you're going to wake up, bank account still empty. It doesn't feel like you're a citizen in heaven. So now we're all here, you know, asking the question. All right. How do I hack this thing? How, how do I lay hold of this reality and 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 this is where people get messed up because you know you have this whole church so many churches they're so far from this revelation i mean they, they, they they're literally wetting themselves while i'm talking on this stuff because like, ah that's scary you can't preach that you know and it's like y'all don't get it but then we get out of that and it's like, wow, there's something else. And then we find a Kabbalist and they're like, I'll help you ascend. Oh, you know how to do this. You know how to make this my reality. It's like, yeah, we're going to go through pathways and we're going to go through gates. We're going to go into Metatron's cube and we're going to ascend the worlds and we're going to expand your consciousness. And we're like, oh, that's like what I'm looking for. This is why we have to talk about it. Right? It's like, oh, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Because what did we learn? We learned that Kabbalah works to... <laughs> Kabbalah works to take Jesus out of the equation. It's like, I will use a tetragrammaton, but I will not engage in divine and genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't need that. All I need is a sacred name. You know, they're cutting Jesus out. It, like, and, and top to bottom, we've been through so much that I can make these comments freely now because I don't have to prove them. And if you say, well, Daniel, you need to prove it to me because I didn't hear what you said before. Just grab it, man. It's on the website. And so um, now what I have to say, I have to say it in the occult world. There is no distinction made between soul and spirit, okay? That's the next point, right? So, so now we're really fleshing this out. In the occult world, they don't make a distinction between soul and spirit, right? You, you have the soul and then you have the body. So one of the greatest deceptions is to get people engaging the spirit world through their soul, because this is how the enemy forces people to play by his rules in the spirit world. If I can get you to evacuate your body, then you're going to need one of my demons to hold your body while you are astral projecting. And if I can get your soul parts to evacuate your body, I can snare them in a grid. I can catch them while they are trafficked around the spirit world and put them in other places, jars and vessels. They have people in the occult world that literally call themselves soul hunters because they use occult techniques to take people's souls and capture them in their fragments and put them in jars and vessels and realms and spacecraft. 
That's literally what they're doing. And some of you have been victim of this, right? So, so the enemy wants everybody engaging the spirit world with their soul because you're vulnerable. And through ignorance, people don't even know how to engage with their human spirit in order to engage with heaven, the father and the angels from that aspect of our design. And this is deep. This is deep. I'm going to go over today. I, the, we're not going to stop at eight. I'm not even going to play with you. <laughs> so I'm going to break. I will explain this. So with a complete obfuscation of the spirit, people get locked into corrupt models of engaging the spirit world. And, and, and this needs to be said because now what we're going to learn about the four worlds is that based on that template of understanding is an entire strategy for ascending consciousness to travel up the tree and engage with the spirit. That comes from Kabbalah. But it is devoid of any kind of understanding that there is a distinction to be made between the human soul and the human spirit. And that's where you get occult activation by people using Kabbalistic techniques to ascend into heavenly things. <laughs> the devil is so afraid of the actively engaged human spirit in Christ that he created an entire counterfeit system of ascension that would obfuscate that entire element so that he could keep people playing by his rules and stay in the power seat. But when we go to the Zohar to figure out how we're going to ascend into the heavenly realms and partake of some of these promises, we're going to get screwed up. Now, let me uh, <clears throat> back up, right? Let's ground it out. Time for the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Even it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Bible talks about the soul, the spirit, and the body, and the heart. Now, I spend a lot of time talking about this in our ministry. Why? Because we've had to learn how to address the body, the soul, the heart, and the spirit very effectively in order to get the captives set free. And we're doing it. And the captives are being set free. And the fruit is undeniable. And here's what we've learned. The soul can be defined as the conscious mind, will, emotions, and intellect. The heart can be defined as a subconscious mind, will, and emotions. And the spirit is the superconscious mind, will, emotions, and intellect. In other words, uh, the soul and the spirit have independent consciousness. Furthermore, the heart is not really the soul or the spirit, but it is essentially both at the same time. It is the interface point of the design of man. And so I, I put this slide together just to break this down a little bit. And, and you can take a look, right? As we do our biblical study on the meaning of soul, heart, and spirit, we find that there are different words. Nefesh in Hebrew is soul. Suki in Greek means soul. Leb in Hebrew means heart. Cardia in Greek means heart. Neshama in Hebrew means spirit. Ruach is another word used for spirit. And pneuma in the Greek is spirit. And so when we look at it, um, this is really the model I'm working with at this point. We have the body, we have the soul, we have the spirit, and the heart is the intersection point of all three. Why? Well, the word leb is used in contrast to the Hebrew words nefesh, neshama, and ruach. All of these words deal with internal elements of the human design, ruach, while on occasion translated mind has much more to do with the spirit realm. Some of its definitions include wind, breath, mind, and spirit. For instance, God's Holy Spirit is called ha-kodesh ruach. Nefesh is translated mind on occasion, but is also used for the soul in general. Literally, it means a breathing creature, but also as minded person as its definitions, in addition to heart. 
And another Hebrew word that is important is neshama, which is what God breathed into Adam in order to make him a nefesh. That means breath or spirit. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath the neshama of life, and man became a living soul. So neshama is the spirit. When God breathes the spirit from heaven, which he creates, then the soul is formed. And at that point, you have a spark of life, and then you have the development of the fetus in the womb or the baby until it is born. Now, uh, we're going to learn that they rewrite this whole thing in Kabbalah, right? But they call it Hebrew thinking. <laughs> just to get us all very confused. But but here's the thing, right? When we when we talk about all these words, I'm going to go just a little bit further here. Leb is most often translated heart throughout the Bible in Hebrew. It is different from all, you know, Neshama, Ruach, and Nefesh, but has definitional characteristics that allude most closely to the function of the soul. So what happens is the Leb becomes the lower parts of the soul, overlapping upon the spirit, and the physical body actually does have a heart, and the heart in the physical body generates an electromagnetic field that's about 100 times the size of the electromagnetic field of the brain, and it also stores memory in its cells, interestingly enough. The Bible has this to say about the heart, Romans 2.29, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. This is a lot of revelation really fast. I have really covered this ground in some of our courses at the Bride Ministries Institute, so I'm plowing. But essentially, the heart is in the spirit, meaning that the heart has an overlay upon the spirit, but functions along with the soul and has its counterpart in the body. Therefore, it's the intersection point. It's the interface point of everything. And so what we learn in Christianity is that when it comes to engaging heavenly things, the primary vehicle encounter should be the spirit of man because God desires that we worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24 says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what we need to learn to do is to open up our heart to the revelation of Jesus Christ, to step into our spirit and then to engage with heaven. Now, if we follow some kind of occult methodology of ascension or Kabbalah, you know, what, what happens is we essentially, and let me just come back here. I, I want to draw something, so I'm, I'm knocking us out of that. All right. We are, and I'm going to get into this later, we're knocking the spirit out completely and saying, all right, this is not part of the equation. And what we're going to do is we're going to expand the soul. And we're going to just put this and we're going to put a lock on this box and uh, get everyone to engage outside of Christ. So that's the, that's the problem with ascension techniques that do not acknowledge the spirit. And so um, th this is the thing. Our ability to connect to God's love requires our spirit to be strengthened with might so that the love of God can dwell in our hearts by faith. We don't abide in more of the love of God because ascension techniques cause the soul to expand in consciousness, but because our spirit is strengthened and Christ dwells in ever-increasing percentages of our subconscious or heart. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 verses 14 and then 16 through 17, for this cause I bow my knee to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. In other words, God is going to allow us to understand, you know, in between that, it says that you would know the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. The prerequisite for that is Christ dwelling in our heart by faith. And it says that in order for us to contain that, we have to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In other words, we need to be focused on strengthening our spirit so that Christ can occupy large portions of our heart by faith that we can encounter the love of God. It's this whole equation found in Ephesians chapter three. So now for the deception. Are, are, are you guys following me? It, it's just making sense. Like, you know, there's so much confusion. And I, I really, it pains me. It pains me to see so many people so confused. It's like, well, where's the strengthening of the spirit in all of this? What spirit, right? So now 
Next point. It follows that in Kabbalah, there is no mentioning of a distinction between soul and spirit. Instead, the teaching is that there are five levels of soul consciousness. Okay, remember that. Five levels of soul consciousness. Instead of training people to step into the spirit, to strengthen their spirit, to worship in spirit, the techniques attempt to attune the soul to increasingly higher levels of consciousness, accomplish astral projection, and in some cases encourage other occult activation leading to things like telekinesis, the activation of the third eye, and the activation of psychic powers. And this comes out of the mouths of some people that are self-proclaimed Christian mystics, all under the guise of having the superior Christian revelation. So what are the five levels of soul consciousness? Now, I'm going to do a little screen share here so that you understand what I'm talking about. Let's go to their text. <laughs> Chabad.org, right? Kabbalah online for all of us that are Kabbalah students still. <clears throat> the soul enclosed within the body is a reflection of the divine form called the Salem or Salem Elohim. This Salem Elohim may be described as a spiritual mode of man's physical form, linking his body and soul, no mention of spirit. The mold is derived from the configuration of the Sephirot, which structure the worlds through which the soul descends on its journey down into the body. So, you know, across the Sephirot tree, you have a descending soul. No spirit, just a descending soul. Now, now look at this. I highlighted it in the slide. Viewed from the point of view of man's service to God, these levels of soul may be described as five ascending levels of awareness of and communion with God. They are called in ascending order. Oh, here's our same. These are the same words I just walked you through, right? But now we're going to redefine them all because we're in Kabbalah land. So now Nefesh's soul, Ruach, which was spirit, becomes soul. Neshama, which was spirit, becomes soul. And then we add two more words, Kaya and Yakida. Okay. Moving on. Regarding these levels of the soul, the Zohar states <laughs> that when a person is born, he is given a Nefesh from the world of Asiya, the lowest world representing the greatest concealment of God. If through his divine service and proper action, he makes himself worthy, he is then given Ruach on the plane of Yetzirah. With greater effort, he can earn the revelation of Neshama, paralleling the world of Beria. If he purifies himself greatly, he may be able to attain the level of Kaya, paralleling Atzilut, and even Yahida, the God consciousness at the level of Adam Cademan and beyond. Beyond, because the level of so-called Yahida, in essence, transcends all the worlds, since it is never separated from God. It is described as being truly part of God above, and as a spark of the Creator, enclosed within a spark of the created. Again, here's how you know the occult is knocking on your door. Because we write the the, the, the revelation of the human spirit out of the equation completely. And we obfuscate everything by calling it soul. And then we teach expanding soul consciousness. There is a difference between learning to transition your awareness from your soul realm to your spirit realm and staying out of the spirit realm and simply expanding your soul consciousness. Those are two Totally different teachings, two totally different techniques for engaging the spirit world. One is Bible, the other is Kabbalah. But the interesting thing is that by teaching the Bible, I've actually been called a Luciferian for teaching the spirit of man. Funny how that works. Anyway, <clears throat> let's move on. Now, the five levels of soul consciousness according to Kabbalah. Nefesh is the lowest level of consciousness that essentially is the awareness of the physical body and the physical world. It's the life force of the body and it's associated with the world of Asiya. Ruach. Redefined. No longer a spirit. Now, now it's 
the consciousness of godliness, the second level of the soul. It corresponds to the world of Yetzirah and is primarily manifested in the emotions. On this level, intellect is used primarily to arouse the emotions. Okay? Neshama, no longer spirit. Now we're in Kabbalah land, so it's redefined as soul. (laughs) This level of the soul contemplates the manifestation of divine energy in the world of Beria. The primary activity here is understanding. This level of consciousness engages the notion of coming into being from nothingness and as a primary meditation, (laughs) and we're going to get to that, of the concept of continuous creation. See, because each level of these soul consciousnesses have related meditations, right? So you have to do certain meditations to expand the soul consciousness to this level. By this, we ascend, okay? We ascend by expanding soul consciousness. And you know, it's so interesting because there are Christians that are saying, you know, I, I don't really do Paul and the whole body, soul, spirit thing because I have Hebrew thinking, Hebrew thinking, right? So now I know the truth. There are five levels of the soul. You haven't heard that teaching yet, Dan Duvall, the five levels of the soul. That's actually the biblical revelation. You know, an average Christian, you can get slapped by the five levels of the soul. You're going to be like, I never heard that. What's the five levels of the soul? What did I miss? <laughs> you, you, you missed the bullet. You dodged the left hook. That's what you did. See, it's all a rewriting. It's all a perversion. It's all designed to activate people into occult engagement of the spirit world. Everything about Kabbalah leads to counterfeits. They take some truth and then they redefine the truth to make lies out of it. It's amazing. Now, hold on. Uh, Kaya, right? So we go to the fourth level of soul consciousness. This aspect of the soul gazes upon the divine energy of the world of Atzalut. This level of consciousness communes with God as he transcends the world. And this is their teaching, right? It's the level, they say, of complete nullification of the ego. And finally, Yekida. The final level of soul consciousness, which corresponds to Adam Cademan. It is said that the world of Adam Cademan is sublime, pure, and transcendental and cleaves to the light of Ein Sof. This level of the soul is immutably bound to the Holy One. Now, let me say this, okay? If you do Kabbalah mysticism and you do the meditations and you follow the system, you travel the pathways, you go through the gates, you work your way through the sacred names and you give the passwords and you uh, travel and you do all of this stuff, you are going to have spiritual experiences and encounters. You're going to run into councils. You are going to see things in the cosmos. Stuff is going to happen, you know, and, and there will be stories to tell at the end of the day. I'm not saying that soul consciousness can't be expanded. Quite to the contrary, what I'm saying is that it works, but it works to get people wrapped up in the wrong system. And in order to do that, they're redefining biblical revelation. So, Kabbalah leans on a reinterpretation of the Hebrew Old Testament to create a system of teaching that leads people away from Jesus Christ and the agenda of God to strengthen and engage with our spirits and teaches a completely counterfeit system of meditation and ascension that mirrors the philosophy found in Eastern religions, essentially teaching the same techniques that are used by New Age, witches, the Order of the Golden Dawn, the Theosophical Society, and the Illuminati. Okay, you're looking at what they use to do what they do. This is the same system that produced the likes of A.E. Waite, Madame Blavatsky, Alice Bailey. Like, this is how they figured it out. Okay, this is not like, like child's play stuff. It's dark. No, it's not a better understanding of the Hebrew scriptures. It's an occult twisting of the word of God to put people in deep darkness. So they write the human spirit out of the equation and tell Christians they're being duped 
when they begin to teach the five levels of soul consciousness, because now they're being presented with this more accurate Hebrew-based revelation. And, and, and you know, the, the, the cell is, well, <laughs> the rabbi said, right? And since they're a Jewish rabbi and we support Israel still, we have to know that they have a better understanding of their own language than we poor Americans do. So of course we should believe them on what they say about our Old Testament. It's a, it's a real, it, it's a, it's a spicy selling point. You know, you Christians need to get out of your Greek thinking that Paul, that body, soul, and spirit, that trichotomous man. And, and, and see, this is the thing, the clear teaching of spirit, soul, and body by the apostle Paul is not Gnostic Greek teaching. It is gospel truth. When the spirits of the children of God stand up and take their rightful place, the devil will be thrown down throughout the creation. So what better way to delay the inevitable than to dupe those that would otherwise form the greatest threat with inferior occult philosophies that lead them into a counterfeit engagement of the spirit world? Let's ascend with a Kabbalah strategy. Crying out loud, give me a break. I can't take it. Now, there's this other thing that some people really are asking still, after all of your yelling and shouting and screaming, Daniel, isn't it Hebrew thinking? Well, I have something for you. <laughs> yeah, that's you. The whale butt. We have to just let it go. <laughs> we can't stay here. Dichotomy is a Christian doctrine that states that there is a body and then there is a soul spirit. Dichotomy is found all throughout dispensational groups. They say, since there is no distinction between soul and spirit, anyone teaching a distinction between soul and spirit is teaching heresy. Interestingly enough, dichotomy aligns perfectly with occult approaches to the spirit world, except when dichotomy is deployed in the Christian church, it's often deployed in the context of spiritual communities that are locked out of the spirit world. It's very interesting because they say, well, you know, we're not going to teach you how to engage with your spirit, step into your spirit and be involved in the kingdom where you are a citizen. No, we're just going to sit here and warm the pew kind of approach to Christianity. So it's interesting. So people come out of dichotomy teaching environments in Christianity and come into the sucker punch of systems like Kabbalah. And since they never taught that there was so much as a distinction between soul and spirit, it's like, oh, well, there you go. The five levels of the soul that I didn't know about. It's time for me to start extending and expanding my consciousness. Eventually, I'll get to dine with everyone at the Feast of Leviathan and sit under a sakot of serpent skin while dining on the serpent phallus. If you missed last week, that's not going to make sense to you. See, this is the thing. There's so much confusion in Christianity that you can't even straightforwardly break down an occult teaching. Because after the Christians have the occult teaching, subverting their own ability to understand. And this is so interesting because, again, one of my biggest public accusations came around against my assertion that the spirit of man is without question, separate from the soul, having an independent mind, will, and emotions. And that through engaging with the human spirit, the heavens are open wide to us, as well as the full expression of our assignments in Christ Jesus. Interestingly enough, one of my main accusers, who was trained in occult spirituality by the Brotherhood of the White Lodge and Ascended Masters, was herself trained with the dichotomous understanding of the design of man, just like Kabbalah teaches. And against that, my accusation was made. Isn't it amazing? And you know what? People still come against me. It's like, oh, Dan, with that spirit man heresy, what the heck? How does this happen? In what world does the actual biblical teaching against Luciferianism become the teaching of Luciferianism in the minds of these ignorant people? And all I'm trying to do is help you get to Jesus. 
I'm amazed. And, and so this is the thing. This is the thing. There's a lot to say. There's a lot to explain. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is the main point. We are absolutely to engage the heavenly realm. However, we don't need Kabbalah-based strategies and strategies for expanding consciousness to the five levels by ascending the four worlds of the tree to get where Jesus wants us. What we need to do is feed and empower our spirits and learn to transition into our spirits in order to engage God, to come into alignment, spirit, soul, and body, so that as we do, the veil between heaven and earth will go thinner and thinner and thinner. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, like our video, and share this with friends. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.